0: Yo, what's good, everybody? I want to let you guys know that the summer collection of the standard is officially out. You guys can get one of our brand new haymaker suits as well as one of our foundational suits. And if you're a guy who already has a ton of suits, we also have the standard membership package just for you. Guys, go to theaffluentstandard.com, link in the description below. I look forward to seeing you guys tap into the standard and let's get started with today's video.
1: Oh shit, is that Laura over there? I go, yeah. She goes, what's she up to? I was like, yeah, I don't know, you know, just you know, go ask her. She's like, "She married, bro?" No, I don't think so. She got kids? What's up with her? No. Man, that sucks. <laughs> and I go, "Oh shit. And there's the difference between a man and a woman. Yeah. A man can be 40, okay? I'm just using it as a, you know, it could be 36, you could be 44, whatever. Um and if you've got your money right and you've got your you're on track, you've got your career, you know what you're doing, you're a pimp. Yeah. Like you're 31, 30
0: 31 must be 32. Okay.
1: You could do what you're doing and look good, take care of yourself, dress for it. You could do this until you're 40, no fucking problem, okay? Um, But a woman who's 40 that is focusing on her career, but she's not married, no kids. I'm not saying this. Let's just use Miguel words. That sucks.
0: Yo, what's good, everybody? This is our Feast, and welcome back to another episode. I am beyond excited about this new guest. I'm so sorry, that was so rude of me. This new man who is going to tap in and bring so much, so much value to you guys because what excites me is that as I'm growing, as I'm improving, as I'm trying to take my life to more, more and higher levels, I get to meet men who are already there, already where I'm trying to be and have so much to teach me and learn from me. And sometimes these men like to dress up like me. Wow. <laughs> so, so please welcome to the show the one and only Adam Saznik. Thank you, Hafiz. Respect, bro.
1: Last time we did this, I was on this side. You're on this yeah. side. We're switching roles. The mixer though, cause,
0: yeah. uh, we what? did not plan this, by the way. We, we just, you know. Great, they, they say, Adam, great minds think alike. That's right. Fresh minds also think alike. Mm. So we're feeling some type of way. Okay. I'm excited about today's conversation. Likewise. There's so many angles that yeah. I want to take with you. I've been seeing you grow. I've, I've been loving you on the PBD podcast since the beginning. Um, and, and I feel like you have a lot of value to bring the listeners and I'm excited about bringing you here. Value
1: and some of that attainment we like to bring here. You might call it (laughs)
0: value-tainment. They say that Pat is more the value, Adam is more the attainment, and I'm totally cool with that. (laughs) So my question to you is, I want to go back in time. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Let's go on to DeLorean, Adam. Let's
1: do it. I love Back to the Future.
0: Let's go to 16-year-old Adam Sazna. Who the heck was this guy
1: like? So who was Adam at 16? Adam at 16, uh, well, I grew up in Miami. I was a public school kid my entire life. Um, Ninth grade, uh, I was always an athlete. Like, um, public schools, I was always basketball, football, but basketball was kind of my thing. And ninth grade, I played in like, it's called NMB, North Miami Beach Optimist. Like, I don't know if you played Optimist, basketball, football, just, you know, like Little League, whatever. And um, I was, like, the best player in this league, right? Wow. And um, I got a scholarship. I was a point guard. I got a scholarship. I was 15 at the time to, like, one of the more elite private schools in Miami. Uh, it's called Miami Country Day.
0: Okay.
1: Shaq's kids went there. So like, Miami Day? Miami Day, exactly. Okay. There's country days all over the country. Okay, but this was, man. yeah, exactly. So, um, so I roll up on this new school and... Um, I know nobody. I'm a public school kid, and I'm there to um, play basketball and play football. and And uh, I was just new to school, and uh, I was always, always like the networking guy. Like whether I was like elementary, middle, high school, I was always the guy that was like, "Yo, what up? How you doing? What's going on? Hey, how, how hey, girl, how you? you like that was my vibe. And then boom, I, um, I just made myself at home. So I was always that kid that kept my public school connections and kind of had that mentality i was like booty dance in miami like i grew up on that uncle luke like the whole thing scarred and then i go to this private school thinking it's going to be like stuffy and it was actually dope so i um i pride myself with being the type of person that could sit down with like you know the grimiest person that just is like whatever and then like a ceo of a company very chameleon like you have to kind of You know, go with the flow. So I'm not very, like, this is who I am, that's the way I am, and that's it. Take it or leave it. I'm like, what's up? Who are you? How can I kind of get ingratiated with you? So athlete, networker, and just a good attitude always.
0: So word on the street is you're you're a bit of somebody in football. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) And so you went on to play college football where? I I got a scholarship to North Carolina,
1: Greensboro. Everyone's like, North Carolina? UNCG.
0: UNCG. I I went to Wingate.
1: Really? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah.
0: Play corner there.
1: Wow. Yeah. we should have played against each other? That would have <laughs> been great. So I was um, football was like I had better stats in football, um, so I had more scholarship offers for that. I get I had actually scholarship offers for like more Ivy League type schools, Cornell being one of them, but they don't pay. Mm-hmm. And I didn't come for money. I'm very, very much like lower middle class. My father was disabled. We grew up on disability. Um, I never was, like, a money guy, whatever, and then when I got, you know, thrown into the private school, I was, like, the dude showing up in a broke-down, beat-up, like, rust-colored Honda Accord, and, like, all my, you know, counterparts in high school were BMWs, Mercedes, uh, Rolls, you know, like, the whole thing, people are getting dropped off in limos, and I'm just, like, by, f- it's not even close, f- he 's the poorest kid in that school, wow. wasn't even a question, so... Um, but I, so I played football as well and, uh, but basketball was always my thing. So didn't like the college I was at transferred to Florida state, walked on to Florida state. They're like, cool, you're on the team. That's great. But by the way, we're going to kick the shit out of you for the next four years. And maybe when you're a senior, you'll see the field. I was like, okay, there's that, uh, or option B Florida State has the finest women in the country. Maybe Arizona. I don't know. We had this conversation. Yeah, last this little time.
0: conversation. Arizona
1: State, and I was like, I'm gonna go party and kind of do that. So uh, dominated inter intermural's with my boys. <laughs> dominated at Florida State, but um, yeah. But I, basketball was always my thing. So after, even in I kind of played with the FSU like intramural squad. There was a place called the Leach Center at Florida State, but basketball was always my thing. And in the summers, I would go play in these like summer pro am things in minneapolis where my my uh my mom is from and that's where i started meeting like a couple nba guys and the one guy who ended up becoming one of my best friends is that guy chris humphreys yeah he mentioned- nba the whole kim kardashian thing we could talk about it whatever but so basketball is more yeah my thing but i played college football
0: yeah so i don't know how good a, how good florida state was at that time or if florida State's even a women's basketball i won a
1: national championship in 2000 when i was there and then the how University was the women's Miami team won
0: the women's team yeah the women's what? Basketball? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm talking about football. They want to now up. Oh, no. Basketball I mean, or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. what's interesting, I'm not sure if you're aware it is, but like top-tier mm-hmm. women's basketball teams, mm-hmm. they practice against like the top men's intramural guys in the Got college. Yeah. So I'm curious. we bust that ass. <laughs> no, I mean, come on. There was just like a story out there that like the
1: women's soccer national team played like a high school team, like the, like the men's yeah. national high school yeah. team. Yeah. And they beat them. So, like, i always reference, like, you saw what Serena Williams had, a, I think, an interview uh, on one, of, maybe it was Kimmel. one what
0: are you one talking of, about? what she said she's, like, a, a extremely low, if she, She was like,
1: oh, would you beat, like, one of the top tennis guys? She's like, I couldn't even come close. It's a different sport. They'll smoke me 6-0, 6-0. So it's, um, I mean, this, everything that's going on with, you know, trans women, this and that, I mean, that's not, like, my specialty. But yeah, yeah. I think it's fair to say, I don't think it's that controversial, men tend to be. Bigger, f- faster, stronger, you know, rougher, tougher. Not, th- not saying that women can't do that. It's just a, a different scenario.
0: No. It's just, just, just checking the temperature. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so you're saying that you go out and you bust out these women's
0: asses and ball them out? Listen, I can't play basketball. No, you're not a b-ball guy. I'm terrible. Really? But I still believe I can compete in the WNBA. Well, you got some size, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so you played football but never basketball. I'm I played it, I was born in New York, yeah. so in New York, I obviously playing basketball, mm-hmm. but I, I stopped playing when I was younger, so my basketball development mm-hmm. stopped in fifth grade. True story, I can't even dribble with my left hand. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get Peace. Yo, so I'm a football guy, gotcha. but it's not about me today. Yeah. Let's talk about Thank it. Thank you, bro. <laughs> All good. Let's expose okay. my flaws in this world. Let's talk about Adam's flaws. So, after college. Yeah. When does Denver come into the picture? Uh, Denver.
1: I um, So after college, I moved back to South Florida. I'm born and raised in Miami, and I start working in radio. And I'm doing radio sales. They you know they can say, uh, if you can sell air, you can sell anything. And radio was massive. This is early 2000, 2002, 2003 to be exact. And I learned how to sell straight up. And um, I bought, because I also um, always, I was like, in, in, in high school, I was voted class clown and best athlete. And they go, you can only pick one. I was like, class clown, baby. <laughs> so, like, go check the, uh, the record books or whatever, the, uh, what do you call it, student yearbook, whatever. So, I, you know, I, I wanted to, I grew up, like, SNL, Adam Sandler, like, taking it back a little bit. When I got to the new school, humor pierces through anything. Yeah. People like hanging out with funny people, people that can make them laugh. That, whether you're in business, whether it's friendship, whether that's women, human, p- humor pierces through anything. I actually recently had the opportunity to interview Vince Vaughn, the oh, great wow, Vince Vaughn. I mean, I saw that. Yeah. And it was like, I, he was at a, at an event that my homegirl was throwing in Miami. And I was there filming. I'm interviewing all the models about what they're looking for in men. Yeah. You know, money, status, confidence, uh, ambition, the whole thing. And there's Vince Vaughn. I go, hey brother, you know I've got like a little press credential. I go, wedding crash. I mean, come on, I, like, and uh, I said, what do you think the most common trait that women are looking for? Uh, he's like, humor, funny. I'm like, hell yeah. So, but I, I know I deviated, We talked about Denver. No, no I
0: want to stay Denver. here. Yeah. How do you believe that's honestly true? That what? That humor is something that women actually value more yeah. than status, money. I wouldn't say more,
1: um, but. You know, Cyndi Lauper had a song, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. So whether, they just want to have fun. And you know what? Fun costs money. (laughs) (laughs) And the women aren't spending the money. The guys spending the money. So if you want to have fun, whether that's restaurants, dinners, trips, the mall, whatever, like you got to have some money. But at the end of the day, I think, I think, I ask these women all the time, would you rather have a a broke, hot guy that you get along with that's fun and great, but he's broke? Mm -hmm. Or rich? Dude, that there's no vibe. He's not funny, and like you see their mind wrestle. Yeah. You, they're just like, well, you know, is the is the broke guy like, you know, like is at least like, has he like got some money? I'm like, no, not. <laughs> is the rich guy like at least cool to get along with? Yeah.
0: Because
1: if you ask a guy that, would you rather have a broke hot chick? Come on, man. Or like a fine, you know, like an old ass rich. He's like, yeah, I'll take. The, you know, so it's just in different dynamics. Yeah. So, um, but I've I've definitely delved into like more how money, you know, finance and romance kind of intersect and that's kind of what we do here on the Sauscast. But speaking of humor, when I was out in Denver, I was doing two things in Denver, well, three things. I was getting high every day for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I was writing stand-up comedy. I was doing that all day and I was playing ball. Dumb. And at one point I actually tried out for the Denver Nuggets. Oh, really? I made it to the final cut. Jeez. Final cut started with 500 people, went down from 500 to 300 to 200 to 100. And uh, they wrote, read off the final 16 people and they um, – my name was – this is crazy here. And then um, I actually went the, – the, the very famous basketball player, at least back in the day, his name was Kiki Vandeway. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you're not a basketball guy, football guy. Oh, Denver Nuggets, was yeah. that – was that when AI was there? Or no, was, no, no. Was that this Chauncey was two, This was 2004. Chauncey – no, P- Chauncey was on the Pistons at that point. Okay. This was Mello. Oh, yeah, Mello was and, there at that uh, time. And Earl right? Boykins mm-hmm. and Nene oh, yeah, and yeah, the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, – I made it to the final cut, and I went up to Kiki Vandewey, and I said, hey, bro, I got to go. He goes, what do you you mean? I go, and it was this a whole long story. I said, I wasn't even supposed to be here. A bunch of the guys that I play ball with told me about this. I just happened to live like a block away, and I have a flight at 3 o'clock to go see my dad, who I haven't spoken to in years, and we're meeting in Vegas. And, dude, my dream is not to make it to the NBA. I could ball a little bit. I got some game, but I got to go. He's like, dude, what are you you know, like, you're like, I had a day, don't get me wrong. Like, it was like, yeah. Um, and I go, look, I'm not, I don't think I'm trying to make it. I can ball, but I'd be more interested in um, getting a job in sports. And he goes, take my card, you know, you present yourself very well, you know, social dynamics, understanding how to read the room, understanding. And, uh, and I went to uh, Vegas. Uh, my luck didn't continue from there. I think I lost like 500 bucks, <laughs> but, uh, patched things up with my dad. That was cool. Um, came back to Denver, but the whole reason I was in Denver and uh, this kind of like tying the whole thing together, my best friend became the youngest correspondent in CNN history.
0: Wow! 24
1: years old. He's like, bro, I'm out here. I got a job in Denver. He was a local reporter in Miami. Got a job for CNN, and he was there in Denver at 2004. The irony, covering the Kobe Bryant rape scandal. Sheesh! If you can appreciate that. So I'm there. I'm out there with him, like. I'm playing ball. I'm telling. Jo- I'm playing ball during the day. I'm telling jokes at night. I'm getting high in between, and I got no job. I was on unemployment because I was. I worked at the radio uh, station. They like, you know, I, I got let go. I was collecting unemployment, so I have collected unemployment and food stamps, oh, wow. EBT card. Shout out to the EBT folks out there. <laughs> Hopefully you're not on that. Um, and then, um, I was there for one year, 2004, and then Kobe got off. Congrats, and my boy, like the contract was done and. We drove back to Miami. And so I was in Denver for one year playing ball, telling jokes, and uh just kind of developing who I want to
0: be. How does Adam get from telling jokes mm-hmm. to being finance guru? Because to me it seems like two different worlds. Yeah. How, how, bridge that for me, my guy. I tell this
1: all the time, bro, that um the it's important to not only know what you want to do, but also important to understand what you don't want to do. Like I almost went to law school and uh, if you ever, you have friends who are lawyers? Of course. I have a lot of friends who are lawyers in the LSATs, in the actual test. I'm at Florida state. There's a hundred kids in the room. They're all trying to be lawyers. And I'm taking the test, and I just, I'm like, I don't fucking like this shit. I'm like, this is not, it's not me. And they go, all right, pencils down, pencils down. And I'm like, I'm not done motherfucker. The pencils down. I'm like, ah, pencils down. I was like, okay. I take a deep breath and I go, I'm out of here, bro. This ain't for me. Yeah, People are yeah. like looking around like I'm that loud dude in the room. And I go, this ain't for me. So I had to figure out my, my aunt who killed it in real estate. She goes, listen, um, you, can do, um, you can be a doctor, you can be a lawyer, or you can do something in sales. And I go, I hate blood. I'm not going to be a doctor. That ain't for me. I just fucking flipped out. I'm not going to be a lawyer. I got to figure out sales. So I got into sales. And like I said, with the, in the radio game, if you could sell air, you could sell anything. And I had a deep understanding of, like, selling is not telling. Selling is asking questions. Mm-hmm. So with a background, when I, by the way, when I moved back from Denver, I got back into the nightlife game in Miami. Hospitality, nightlife, clubs, restaurants, bars. Born and raised in Miami, like, connections galore. And I was doing stand-up at the time. I was doing the improv. I was doing stuff with the sports agency. And I basically realized, like, I'm a networker. Yeah. That's who I am. And um, I remember very specifically what happened is that the most amount of money I, I made until I was about 26, 27, so real talk, was $20,000. Mm-hmm. So I was getting paid in drink tickets, in good times, in women who liked to party, uh, but I was broke as shit. And my buddy, who, you know, I'm not gonna name his name, not the smartest dude in the, in the world but he started crushing it in real estate. He made like 80 grand in a month on one deal. I go, hold on, you, <laughs> made, like your dumbass made 80 grand. What? Yeah. I'm like, I, ugh, I got it. The final straw was I was, at the, I was like, I'm sick of waking up at noon every day cause I was partying, nightlife, telling jokes, whatever. And I got a job as a teacher, as a substitute teacher. So my last job before I got into finance, I was teaching second grade and I loved it. The kids loved me. I was cool, it was fun, I'm telling jokes, having a great time. But i made a hundred bucks a day as a substitute teacher and meanwhile this idiot over here is making 80 grand in a month selling i'm like i gotta get out of this so um connections uh a guy who used to be a sports agent represented some guys i know um was like hey i'm starting a financial firm um or i called him up i was like are you still doing the sports agent thing he goes no i actually started a, a firm like a hedge fund financial firm it's a startup I go, I'm looking for a job, bro. What do you got? He goes, here's what I can tell you. I, I'm like, you've already passed, like, the, you're confident. You'll get it. You get it on the phone. You got all that. But I'm telling you right now, you're not going to make shit for a year. One year, you're going to have to eat shit and work your ass off every day. But I guarantee you, if you do this, in a year, you'll start making six figures. My question And that's is, exactly
0: what happened. What, but. When you say finance firm, for people who have no idea yeah. about finance, what does that actually There's all t- different
1: types of finance, right? There's investments, there's insurance, there's estate planning, there's tax accounting. There's so many different things. Uh, Pat crushed it in life insurance. And that's actually where I met Patrick, but David, at a life insurance conference, life and annuity investment conference in 2012. We met in the gym, hit it off. So our firm specializes in, it's a hedge fund that specializes in Reverse life insurance. Like, have you ever seen like um, structured settlement commercials, yeah. JG Wentworth, that kind of a stuff? 1877 Cash Now, that kind of a yeah. thing. So, our firm, which I don't really talk about all that open because it's a very like a wealthier, older type of product, a senior wealth product, um, we specialize in that. I always say that niches are in the riches. Mm-hmm. So, when I grew up, I wasn't going to be like, when I grow up, I want to be a life insurance specialist, reverse uh, settlement guy. And that's, what I, no, I just fell into it. And essentially we give people cash for their life insurance policies. It's a very niche product, but very lucrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it takes a long time to understand the lingo. It takes a long time to, to network and make connections. So I did that. And then um, I, 2008 hit about a year. So I made five grand my first year, Hafiz, five grand my first year. Wow. He told me he was gonna make no money. Second year I made 100 grand, I'm 27 years old. Mm-hmm. I've never had this type of money in my life, okay? And I'm a minimalist at heart, yeah. which is crazy. We can talk about what a minimalist is. A millionaire who's a minimalist. Yeah. So, um, and then 2008 happened. And I saw what was happening all around me. Wow. And we lost all our funding, just like all the big, you know, firms and and, uh, and big uh, banks and hedge funds and Bear Stearns went out of business and we were doing business with them and Lehman Brothers. and. And I'm learning. I'm seeing what's going on. And guys who are making a million bucks a year are now selling their cars. They're, you know, they're driving ridiculous vehicles. And I'm seeing what's going all around me. And I say to myself, save that money. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially like my entire motto and catchphrase is that you never know what's out there. Like who, we potentially could be in a, technically, definition-wise, we're in a recession as of right now, Thursday, yesterday. And um, so I saw what happened all around me mortgage, all the, you know, my guy who made 80 grand that month, he's looking for a job now, all the mortgage guys. And I said, all right, like, I'm not going to leave this firm to go out into the wilderness and see what's out there. So let me double down on this. So it took me two, three years of, you know, making decent money, not six figures at that point. And then- Still with the same company? Same company, still, still with them now, 15 oh, wow. years later, wow. I haven't left. Wow. And then- stuck it out became a full-on expert at this hafiz when when you're calling people and they tell you lose my fucking number don't call me Mm -hmm. and then 10 years later you're doing multi multi multi-million dollar deals with that same person Mm -hmm. that's what sales is is hey bro like i'm not interested stop cool man just reaching out just letting you know what we do you know we're going to be so uh, there's like these networking events where i met pat so I do appreciate getting in front of people's face. Like if we did a Zoom like this, it'd be cool. But I wouldn't be like, yo, please, my uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'd go to these events and I'd say, I'd always be like, hey, man, just want to let you know, this is what we do. What do you do? I'm always like, what do you do? Tell me about your business. Do you ever run across this kind of stuff? Questions, 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 questions. Selling isn't telling. Selling is questions. Asking, what are you looking for? What's your business? Tell me about yourself. By the way, are you married your kids, like the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, who's this? Is your wife? Yeah, but like the whole thing. And um, I became an expert at this product, and this has enabled me to travel the world, travel the country. I'm like the guy that goes to all the meetings, handshakes, kissing babies, that whole thing. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot from, like, Patrick, when when we met, I was probably 32, and he was probably like 34. He had just started his agency, PHP, a couple years prior, and I had just started, again, making money. So I went from five grand to 100 grand to like nothing and then I started making 250 and a half a million a year and more than that and like never made a million a year but we're trying <laughs> we're gonna get there um, <laughs> um and Pat and I were like two of the youngest guys in this entire conference and I go you know what's it like being and Pat being a 6'4 Iranian military guy yeah. he's not the norm at these what I call MPS male pale and stale <laughs> financial meetings yeah. and and I was so we we just kind of you know, hit it off. And I said, what are you looking to do in your business? He goes, you see what all these guys are doing? I'm doing the exact opposite. So he goes, all these people are here to network with the same people. I'm here to understand their ideas so I can implement something totally different from them. Blue ocean strategy is what he implemented. So yeah, I've essentially, you know, used my networking skills, my nightlife hosting, stand-up comedy skills, understanding, you know, human dynamics, social atmosphere, And partly, and just strong work ethic, ethic, to a full-on financial sales career, and that's still what I do when I'm not doing valutainment.
0: Wow, man! So, for the people who are just interested, let's just throw imaginary numbers that may or may not exist. So, let's say you're doing the reverse structure settlement, Mm -hmm. and somebody says, "Okay, I would like to purchase a product or whatever. Start the reverse, whatever it may be." What are the ballpark commission numbers for individuals who are yep. in that industry? So
1: whether it's this industry or any sales industry, commission can fluctuate. Big time. Yeah. Big time. So they used to call me when I first started this was in the late '20s, and I started to make money, because uh, these guys were all from New York. They went They all grew up in New York or Boston, moved down to Miami after 2001, Someone went to University of Miami, and they'd be like, "Hey, Dave Kingman just showed up." I'm like, who the fuck is Dave Kingman? And it was, I guess, a baseball player on the Yankees who either hit a home run or struck out. (laughs) So they're like, yo, you either killed it on a deal and you made a ton of money or you fucking haven't done a sale in like a month or two. So I'd make these big commissions, 50 grand, 100 grand,
0: crazy, 20, whatever, and then wouldn't make money for two, three months. So what's the, like, one sale on average? So people can kind of get an idea. Sure. How much is one sale on average? One
1: sale on, like, the average deal that I do is probably... Uh, I mean, I can kind of, you know, whether it's a life insurance product or even real estate, uh, the average we do is probably like one to $1.5 million uh, policy size, death benefit, or to use real estate home. Mm-hmm. But I've done deals as big as 10, 50 million jumbo policies, and I've also done deals as small as 100,000. So what I tell people is like, I'm the expert at this. Call me when you have, cause I'm a wholesaler. I don't deal with any clients. Mm-hmm. That's something that I totally relish and appreciate. Clients aren't calling me. Mm-hmm. Financial advisors are calling me. Uh-huh. So guys like Patrick, bet David call me guys who are at these financial conferences. And when I say, Hey guys, I know that you're dealing with all the clients. Yeah. I'm a specialist at this. Mm-hmm. Call me when you run into this. Hey, Adam, I only run into a couple of those a year. Cool call me a couple times a year. Yeah. Is it okay if I check in with you a couple times a year? Yeah, of course. So, um, you know, the average deal, you know, maybe uh, it's a million dollars, the client will receive probably a 20% payout which is 200 grand and then the commissions are about 10% of that, so 20 grand. Yeah. So, you know, there's I've had good months, bad months. Um, but the thing with, you know, you're familiar with the concept of lifestyle creep.
0: you talked to me. Yeah.
1: Though. The more money you make, the more you're like, well, I may move into a nicer place. Well, I'm going to get a nicer car. I'm going to buy nicer jewelry. Um, what I've learned again, because in 2008, when I made a hundred grand for the first time in my life and I saw people around me, married kids, like selling cars, selling assets, 2008, losing homes. I'm like, okay, yeah, this money you just made, you're not balling out in the club, bro. Yeah. So save that money, save that money, save that money. So on months where I make nice deals, right? There's been months where I've made 100, 150 grand in a month. And then there's been months where I've made nothing. So it's when you're doing this in a commission type business, and I'm a huge advocate of sales, like everything, because my time is the precious commodity other than health, health is wealth, but time, I come and go as I please. So if my commissions are like this, My mentality and my spending kind of needs to be like this. That makes
0: perfect sense. Yeah.
1: So, uh, but again, being kind of a minimalist, um, I've told this on PBD Podcast. Pat goes, Would you tell everyone how much money you made last month? This was two months ago. I said, I had a really good month, one of my best months ever had. I made 150 grand. And he goes, How much of that did you spend? I go, "Uh, 500 bucks. He goes, What'd you buy? I go, This suit.
0: (laughs) This exact suit. Oh, wow. And he
1: goes, What'd you do with the rest? I go, Just, and I saved a lot of it and I've invested a lot of it and the market is very low and crypto is very low. And um, I bought into all that. Yeah. Could I have bought a Rolex? Yes. I'm wearing a red bracelet that a girl gave me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, could I have bought a sick car? Dude, I haven't had a car since 2011.
0: I've been hearing you yeah. say that man I can times. thank Kim
1: Kardashian for that, by the way. Seriously. So um, I'm a minimalist. The only thing that is nice in my life is I like to have a nice apartment. So I've always lived in a nice place. Um, But I always say that everyone has the same big three expenses, housing, transportation, and food and beverage. So housing, I'll spend some money on. I like to live in a nice place.
0: But you say you don't buy homes, though.
1: No, I rent. I rent. I keep it moving. I move to a different place every couple years. So you're a nomad. Nomad. um, For the most part, a nomad in Miami, other than when I moved to Dallas to team up with Pat um, for a year. Um, I don't have a car, so I don't have any crazy expenses with that. I don't have any, you know, car payment, insurance, uh, interest, you know, parking tickets, gas. You know, I mean, people are freaking out right now with inflation and gas prices. I was like, yeah, Uber everywhere, baby. And then I don't really have an expensive palate. Like, if me and you were going to go grab a bite, dude, it's chicken wings and burgers. You're the homies. We're going to have a beer, whatever. If I take a girl out, I take her out to a nice restaurant. And then I do a lot of business dinners, whether that's in the finance world or even with Pat. And that's where you can kind of eat good. I mean, Pat, Pat don't eat
0: too shit. So there's good stuff with that. That's good, that's good. So I, I wanna I wanna take a pause on the finance of I wanna I'm gonna bring us back to it. And sure. and and there's a part of your story that I remember hearing. You didn't mention this. Yeah. And I'm curious to uh, how this shapes you today. Sure. Were you married at one point? Very briefly, yeah. Yes. How old were you? <sighs>
1: 30 33 and she was
0: 24 yes what was that experience like and what made yeah. you want to get married at at that point uh
1: she needed to get married
0: okay okay
1: so i um um have you ever seen have you ever seen um the movie uh, Bronx Tale with Chaz Palminteri. Of course. Okay. okay, so, you know, Italian guy, the black girl, you know, the whole thing, do the car test. Like, the, I love that movie. And, you know, remember, he's, you, only, you only get three great loves of your life. Of right? course, beautiful. My yeah. first love of my life was in, co- was in college. And um, not my words. This was like, everyone was like, dude, Adam's somehow dating like the hottest chick at Florida State. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like,
1: she was so hot when people were telling me that she liked me. I was like, guys, stop. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not like you're joking, right? <laughs> So I dated this girl, tall, blonde, whatever, gorgeous. Um, Naomi, if you see this, I still love you. You're great. I know she's married with kids. Awesome. She's doing her thing. Um, I'm happy for her. We're friends. Um, but she blew my mind, and I was with her all throughout college. We broke up, whatever. Why? Uh, I was just, listen, for all, for all the 21-year-olds out there, don't rush in. Yeah, I might, like, I've had multiple girlfriends, multiple loves. I mean, I'll tell about the wife in a second, but you don't know what the future is going to hold. Like, if I was obsessed with this girl, it took me years to get over this girl. Now I'm so appreciative of of the heartbreak and the drama and the ups and the downs in the college. Now I'm 41. It's 20 years since I've last dated her, you know, 18, 19 years. And I'm glad that I didn't rush into marrying like the first girl I was like obsessed with and love because you're not ready when you're that young. You're just not financially, mentally, spiritually, like the whole, you're just not
0: there. Is that why it didn't work out? Or was it something where it was like- No, I graduated
1: college. She was one year younger. I was, you know, working, doing the radio sales. And it just like, we just didn't matter. We would keep in touch. It just wasn't like, we even had a conversation. It's like, are we really full on doing this? Okay, they, that like, makes sense. So
0: it seemed like yeah. it was amicable at least. Beyond amicable,
1: okay, good, beyond amicable. Good, cool. So then um, 10 years later, again, that girl's in my mind. I meet a girl um, at Club Live in Miami. Yeah, I, I, I can't tell you how many girls I met at Live and date. Like that's I try to avoid that place now because <laughs> I'll end up marry you if I meet yeah, you there. Yeah, yeah. I end up meeting a girl and I'm like, she's like the exact same girl from 10 years ago, but 10 years younger. And now I have money and now I'm smart. Now I'm wise. And now like, and the difference was she kind of ran that relationship. I was more like, like I was still like the man, but like, I was like, I can't believe I'm like... Now, this girl, the first girl, 21. Now, 31, I'm the man. She's living with me. I move her in. Like, I got her. I'm paying for everything. And um, we were together, living together. She was British. Both these girls were British, by the way. I got a thing. Yeah, I a thing for Brits. For the Brits, yeah. Now I try to... When when someone introduces, Hi, I'm Lauren. I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) Um, So um, we end up dating, and um, she had just graduated college. There was some, let's just call it paperwork that needed to get done. Of course. So we expedited uh what should have just been dating to getting married. But here's a lesson for all you guys. I was like, "Listen, I've got money. I just started making money. You don't have anything. I'm going to we're going to do this. We love each other, but we're going to sign a prenup." Okay. She's like, "Yeah, done. No questions." Of course, if you're going to And thank God I signed a prenup because as much as I thought I love this girl, you know, life gets in the way. You know, they say that man plans, God laughs. Yeah and uh, we had ups and downs and lefts and rights and um, the more money I made the more that she felt that I needed to spend it on her Mm. and being a minimalist I'm cool with spending money on my girl up to a certain point but when when we have a conversation like Adam I really want this new Louis Vuitton purse how much is it two thousand dollars two thousand (laughs) dollars Babe, I, is this really, like, we had a whole conversation yeah. and then about, like, you
0: have it, you made 20 last oh, month. Oh yeah, not
1: even, I, <laughs> yeah. She, and she yeah. was like kind of helping me work for me, I was, I got her a job in the, with my boys company, she started to like, kind of like, and uh, she got the purse, and I, I actually had a conversation with her, I was like, like, if a guy buys a wallet, maybe it's, you know, a hundred bucks, like, what is this about the purse thing, this became a thing. And then six months later, she wanted another purse. But this time it wasn't a $2,000 purse, it was a $3,500 purse. Mm. And she knows how much I was making at this point. I probably made like a half a million bucks that year, which was amazing for me. Save that money if you ever make that much. whatever it is. Um, What's $3,500 if you're making a half a million? I go, it's not, there's assets and there's liabilities. Okay, and that works for money and for women, by the way. Yes. Women can be an asset. We talk about about that all the time here, my guy. And um, I said, babe, listen, uh, this purse will not make me love you more. Uh, It does nothing for me. Um, You know, I don't understand this, but if this is what makes you happy, I'll make you a deal. Let's split it. What do you mean split it? I go, yeah, you know, you want to spend all this money on a purse let's split it no why would i split you're the one that makes the money i go but yeah but i'm not wearing the purse and we essentially broke up over this second purse Mm. meanwhile i bought her jewelry i bought her a car like i've done things but the purse thing kept just annoying the shit out of me so um finally it was just like someone said um And when I tell you this was the craziest thing, we're married, but we broke up. And then I realized I love her. And then I buy her a ring because I love my wife. And we get engaged, but we're already married and we're planning a second wedding because we did the real wedding. Like it was like, and someone said, Adam, bro, she's a beautiful vase, but the vase has been broken multiple times. You can glue this vase together Mm -hmm. as much as you want, but there's still going to be cracks in this vase. Mm -hmm. Right. And that resonated with me. And I was like, oh shit. Um, and then I said, babe, you know what? I can't give you what you're looking for. And let's just go our separate ways. She actually texted me. We're still, we talk probably once a year, twice a year. She just texted me. She's getting married next month. Oh, I wow. said, I'm happy for you. I love you. Congrats. She goes, I want to tell you all about it. I'll call you this weekend. Wow. But I've never broken up with a, I don't understand. People are like, fuck you. I hate yeah, you. I was like, listen, I love you. You love me, but we're not going to be together for the rest of our lives, but we can be cool.
0: Know what I thought about about two things with you. I want to talk about the first one. I have a question about Mm -hmm. the second one. What I hear that you did, and many guys make this mistake, is to confuse a love story from a life story. Hmm. Esther Perel is the the beast of beasts when it comes to relationships, and she she shared this concept. She said, people confuse the two things, and they seem the same, but they're not. Hmm. You can have an amazing love story with somebody. Oh, yeah. And that can be great for a season. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that person's meant to be in your life or even fits your life. Wow. Because the ingredients for love story are not the ingredients for life story. So she basically said, great sex, mm-hmm. mutual attraction, fun together. Yeah. Um, that And you spend enough time with anybody yeah. doing these three things, yeah. you will fall in love. Yeah. You will fall in love. But... That doesn't necessarily mean that you guys can actually be together mm-hmm. for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what's also needed is that plus values and mutual and destination, which are the ingredients for a life story. Hmm. Right, and Esther Perel yes. taught you this. Yes, she's a- Esther, where, where's she at? She's a beast. She's, okay, she's, Esther, I gotta I read, read you, your stuff. Listen, I'll, yeah. I'll, get, I'll get you some content. If you need me to make you some connections? Yeah. I can do it as well. See, networking, guys. <laughs> she's she, trust me. She's yeah. like her TED talks, ten million views. Like she's a beast of beasts. So, she shares this idea. Because you can be with a woman. I I remember somebody told me a story. He was was, was, was with a woman. Beautiful, smart, intelligent, everything that Mm you seem like the first girl was. His dream was to open a a, a restaurant in Miami. That was his dream. Hmm. True enough story is funny. He was also dating a girl who was British but was studying in university. What's her name, bro? (laughs) (laughs) Was studying University of Miami, but her dream was to be a professor at Oxford.
1: Okay.
0: Right. So so they're dating story different from life story. Exactly. So they were dating. They thought it was like everything was perfect. Happily ever after. Then it was like she said, well, when you coming to move to London, he's like, aren't you moving to America? She's like, no, I want to be a professor at Oxford. He's like, Mm. well, I want to be. So what some people do in the olden days was they would sacrifice. Mainly the women, right? The men, women would be like, screw my dreams, screw what I want, you're the man, I'll do it, yeah. right? Or some guys, I won't advise this, would sacrifice their dreams. <laughs> but. Do not sacrifice your dreams. Exactly. But what happens is nowadays, women definitely sacrifice sacrificing their dreams. No. And, and most guys will be miserable. And emasculated if they truly sacrifice theirs, because they'll be like a, a, a fish flying or a bird swimming. You're not doing mm-hmm. what you're called to do. Yeah. And so, to a relationship to make the most sense, you need the ingredients for a love story, because you need the romance, the passion, the fun, all that stuff, but you need that mutual destination and values. And what it seems like to me, Adam, Adam to me is save, save that money. That's Adam's catchphrase. So, any woman that's gonna be with Adam, yeah. Has to believe for herself, save that money. And the complete opposite of what ADAM stands for mm-hmm. is spend that money. Yeah. You know? Well, or, in, uh, you know, there's a difference between spending and investing.
1: Yes. So whether that's money or time, but yes, growing up, I mean, so should I, should I answer that? But nice. the, you know, I grew up in Miami. My first club I went to, I was 16 years old. Yeah. Okay. I went with the seniors in high school. Uh, and we were sophomores, right? You talked about where I was at sixteen. I went to my first fucking club. Adam was uh, that guy
0: at sixteen. Yeah, he, he yeah. wasn't us. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, but I was always an athlete, so I was never doing drugs or getting crazy. Or maybe i mean, I'd maybe have a drink when I was like high school, but like I was always kind of see what's going on, and I would see people spend money because they felt they needed to it for status to look cool to pop bottles to like oh I'm, I'm on vacation I got to spend 3 grand this weekend like and I and then you know combine that with the fact that when I first made a 100 grand I actually had money yeah. and the world melted it was like okay check got it spend money no club partying all right, you just spent three grand in the club and it was just like you and your four boys and you all you guys all went home together because you didn't get any girls because you thought like, okay, cool, got it. Finance, world meltdown, check, check. I'm like, yeah, save that money. And like, so um, yeah, that was, as far as, you know, love goals and life goals, we loved each other, that was great, you know, but as far as, life, I mean, obviously life is more than money. I talk about having health, wealth, and happiness, the big three. And, um, you know, they say when you travel together, that's where you'll really learn about somebody, right? And we traveled a little bit, you know, in the states. But when we went to London for the first time, and we're fighting every day because I'm a fucking jokester. What up? How we feeling? She's very proper, Adam. Keep it down a little bit. I'm like, keep it down. Are we on a we're like what? You know, shit. People hear you. I'm like, I don't give a shit. You know. So it just. And then even her parents, God bless them, great people, like. You're not just marrying her. You're marrying her parents and the family and the this and the friends and it's like you gotta love a motherfucker. Yeah. You have to love a girl so much. You have to deal with all the nonsense. Yeah. And there's nonsense. So um, yeah, love or you know, mm-hmm. lust or whatever you want to call it, relationship. That's different from life planning. Yeah. Totally different. Yes.
0: So with your show. I love what you're doing, man. I love it. You know, you're diving into, you know, some 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 interesting places. Yeah. Me and some interesting people. Some of them that I love. Some of them I'm like, Adam, why? <laughs> but I love the desire to yeah. talk. I love that. You know, I love that energy. Mm-hmm. So my question is, after so many conversations, mm-hmm. so many interviews, talking to so many people about relationships, dating, money, and all those things, like, what would you say has changed? changed the most when you think about the modern dating landscape that you didn't necessarily believe or believe as Mm. strongly as you do today.
1: Yeah, dude, and it's like, as you're saying that, I'm like, I already have my answer, bro. (laughs) And it has to do with uh, women.
0: Mm. Okay, so
1: like my whole thing is like, I wanna, just like you bro, Hafiz, like you wanna have men improve whether that's in the marketplace of business, whether that's the sexual marketplace, my whole thing. I'm like, you listen to my show, you're going to get paid, you're going to get laid, you're going to do it your way. Like, that's my whole thing. And I've been focused on like, this is what a man needs to do. This is what you got to do. You got to do with your money. This is how you need to operate. Like, sign a prenup, dog. All right, the family. Like, but I never was like, all right, what do women want? Because, you know, and even the conversation I had with Pat, he's like, all you do is talk about money. He's like, Adam, like, once you leave for the, like you go party in South Beach. I have a bar in South Beach that a couple partners and I run. And he's like, "You're in that mix. You like you hang with NBA players. You've dealt with the Kardashians. Like you know women. Like you." He's like, "Why don't you talk about it?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yeah, I don't know if that's my brand, you know. Saz talks money. Save that money." He's like, "Bro, you know this as yeah. much as anyone."
0: Yeah.
1: I go, "All right, let's let's see where this goes." And I started doing more like panel discussions with women, asking them. You know, would you rather date a broke guy who's hot or a rich guy, you know, that's boring or whatever. And all these questions. And then we started booking guests. And then I started, because I'm doing more, like what you're doing is more probably 80% listening, two ears and like the guest talk. So I'm sitting there asking questions, navigating conversations, listening, listening, listening. And then it really resonated when I had a housewife on, right, with an OnlyFans model. Okay. So the housewife is basically saying, I... The life I wanted, I wasn't getting because I was working my ass off being a boss babe, mm-hmm. focusing on money and career and exits and all that. But I was 30 and single and wanted to have a husband and kids. And then there's this OnlyFans model who's printing money yeah. or even porn stars, I've interviewed several porn stars who are unmarried, you know, have money, not married, no kids, and they're questioning their life decisions. So I'm grappling, and I'm watching these women kind of have these conversations, and then a stat comes out. That shout out to Rolo, who's informed me of these stats. Um,
0: Look up a lot of those stats. What's
1: <laughs> Look up a lot of those stats. Those yeah, no, this was a stat on on CNN. Okay, okay, it's a CNN stat, okay, okay. and it's and it's 45 of working women by 2030, um, or in the working in the working age, 25 to 40, are expected. 45%, so almost flip a coin, 50% almost, will be not married, no kids, okay, by 2030. So I believe that 80 90% of women want to have kids. Of I also think the same thing for men, maybe a little bit less than women, but we're all, you know, wired the same way. You want to have a family, you want to have a legacy, you want to have kids. Like, um, and then I was like, oh, shit, there it is, bingo. And I always ask the guests, who do you think has it harder, men or women? and obviously men have it harder. We got to fucking break our back, we got to work, we got to do it. I say I'm all about clarity. Okay? If you if you're clear on what you want to do, you could do it. Mm-hmm. So for a man, bro, you know, have a career, make money, you know, bring value, you know, look good, look sharp. I mean, shout out to the standard, right? I mean, are you kidding me? Um you know, credit. I would love to. Um and like it's hard to do, but at least you have clarity of what you need to do because the more success you have, the more women will come, the more networking gets involved, the more business like that's great. Women, should you be a housewife or should you be a boss babe? Really you can't have both yeah. because it's very hard to split your time. It's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a housewife and I'm raising my kids, but also it's CEO time. All right, cool. Like, very hard to do.
0: Yeah, this is really You know, good, like
1: man. I'm juggling two careers right now, and it's not easy—a financial career and a podcast, you know, entertainment career here at Valuetainment—and I have two assistants helping me. And each like, it's not easy, but I'm managing it. And I'm not married; I don't have kids. Yeah. So for a woman, the lack of clarity mm. of like, sh- should I go to school and go to Oxford and be a teacher—that whole thing—or should I? serve my husband and be a great housewife, that lack of clarity for women is
0: very confusing. So that's the biggest thing I've learned. No, that's so powerful, man. I think that perspective is, is I think is a fresh one. And I appreciate you bringing that because I think sometimes, especially in this space, what I find is too many people come with the wrong mindset. And this is why I love what you do so much. People don't have empathy and compassion for people. And what I love about you is that you're so non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. You don't have a dog in the fight. You're not this heartbroken, bitter guy who's mad at women. No. Like you're so positive, you're so uplifting, and you want to learn from both people. Like 100%. when when a guy's on the show, you're like genuinely trying to learn. And when a, and you are what's needed because too many of these guys who are bitter, angry, and negative, and they're and they're coming at it from that perspective, they're coming with an agenda, exactly. Yeah. And so the empathy and compassion is yo these women who are like this, they were taught the wrong message. Yeah. Or, or they just,
1: they grew up in, in a time when women work and go to school. Like they didn't, it's not their fault to go make money. They, their mom would tell them, hey, don't rely on no man. Go to 100%. like, what are they supposed to do? Fuck you, mom, I'd like. No, they learn. So a I, this point. is the whole thing with clarity with women is yeah. you got to pick a path uh, because you don't want to be 40. I'll never forget the story for as long as I live. A year ago, I turned 40. 40th birthday, at my bar, bodega, the whole thing. Had friends, da-da-da-da-da. And my boy shows up. Shout out to Miguel, Miguelito. Yo, what up, Sauce? How you doing, bro? Happy birthday, bro. 40, you're killing it, man. I see you. You got money. You got a bar. You got women. Like, what's up? You're killing it. Happy birthday, bro. Oh, shit. Is that Laura over there? I go, yeah. she goes, what's she up to? I was like, yeah, I don't know. You know, just you know, go ask her. She's like, she married, bro? No, I don't think so. She got kids? What's up with her? No. Man, that sucks. <laughs> and I go, oh, shit. And there's the difference between a man and a woman. Yeah, man. A man can be 40, okay? I'm just using it as a, you know, it could be 36. You could be 44, whatever. Um, and if you've got your money right and you've got your, you're on track, you've got your career, you know what you're doing, you're a pimp. Yeah. Like, you're 31, 30?
0: 30... 31, must be 32. Okay. Yeah.
1: You could do what you're doing and look good, take care of yourself, dress for, like, you could do this until you're 40, no fucking problem, yeah. okay? Um, but a woman who's 40 that is focusing on her career, but she's not married, no kids. I'm not saying this. Let's just use Miguel words. That sucks. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, the, as far as women goes, and and I had a point that I was going to make with that, but the the, back to your original question, do you remember what it was?
0: No, I was saying that you have empathy and compassion. Can
1: I tell you about that? Number one, I, I like my father was disabled. My father never made an excuse, and I've had a very contentious relationship with my father. I told you the Vegas story where I left the Denver Nuggets tryouts and met up with him, and um, he was disabled physically, mentally sharp, sharp, sharp. The only person I know that can do math better in his head is PBD, straight up. Uh, but he hired all handicapped individuals, mentally disabled, physically disabled, to work for his company. He had a flyer company, and this is in the '80s and '90s. And I, 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 when I used to do stand-up comedy, I would joke about this. I would come home and there'd be a house full of retards hanging <laughs> out. And, you know, sorry, you know. Uh, hey, hello! Hey. I was like, oh. I remember bringing a girl home to have like a study date. Who's your friend? I'm like, oh, shit. Like, there's six guys that like, have their shoes on the wrong feet or whatever, like. So I, was always, I always had empathy for these people, um, but I also treated them like normal. Like, I wasn't gonna be like, how are you? I'm like, what up, homie? How you feeling? You know? Like, so I've always had that in my DNA. And my mom, to marry a guy like my dad, my mom is the most empathetic person I know. She's just leads with her heart. And so that, that was instilled with me. My mom was like, you can do anything you want to be, just be the best at it. I don't care if it's the janitor, or the CEO, treat them with respect. So I've always had that in my DNA, always had that in my DNA. And then when I came to valutainment, mm-hmm. um, this is actually a crazy story. I don't know if you know this guy, you know, Daryl Davis is. Mm-mm. You ever seen the black musician that goes and meets up with KKK? Oh Klu yeah, yeah, Klan, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and he gets them and he befriends them and gets them to leave the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. Okay? So I saw a documentary on him years ago, whatever, 5 years ago. And um I just kind of been at ValueTainment a few months. I co-host the PBD podcast. And Pat was running and gunning, doing his thing. He goes, "I got this fucking interview, 9 a.m. I gotta go see my kids." I was was like, "I was like, who's the interview with?" He's kind of stressing. Oh, this guy Daryl Davis. I don't know anything about him. I go, "Daryl Davis, the KKK guy?" I go, "I go, dude, that guy's awesome. He's amazing." He goes, "Like, you want to interview him?" I go, "What?" Because Pat interviews. I mean, everyone like Kobe, George W. Bush, Jordan Peterson, you know. So this was just like another guy, not you know. And I was like, dude, I'd be. Okay, so I'm, I, that's it, I'm doing an interview with this guy. And it was supposed to be an hour interview. Can you imagine this is an hour interview? The, inter, the interview went three hours. Wow. Two hours in, I go, hey, we, are you, we good? Like, he's like, we can keep going. Yeah. And I soaked as much knowledge out of this guy. He's a black man who's a musician who befriends KKK members and gets them to leave the KKK. And I said, dude, what is the deal? And he goes, I treat everyone with respect. Everyone with respect. I don't judge them. However, they grew up like women. You can't blame them. That's where they grew up. I said, damn. He goes, dude, I've been called names. I've been said to things that you would not say, you know, to your worst enemy. And I go, how do you deal with someone? I'm Jewish. If someone's like fucking Jewish, bad, I'd be like, what? Like we're throwing, bro. I go, how do you do? Someone calls you the N word or whatever. And man, it's just that's I'm not that. So I can't because they're, they're ignorant or because that's how they were raised, I, I treat them with respect. And the more respect you show, the, the like, put your mind in the mindset, because it's a process. It's not like, oh, I met a black guy, now we're friends. He's like, some of these guys, it takes years. They see me, they see me, it's a slow drip. And they'll say, hey, you know, Daryl, can I talk to you for a second? He goes, you know, everything I heard about your type of people, it's just, you're not that. You're smart, you're sharp, you're caring, you're empathetic. Bro, I... I I learned all the wrong things. And they had to have a come to Jesus moment and saying, oh, damn, like I was taught all the wrong things. So the fact that he has this kind of like stoicism and says, hey, man, like ever need to talk? You ever want to pick my brain? I'm here for you. Respect. And that was like, dude, you can't judge people. So I'm going to judge a porn star or a housewife or a pickup artist, whatever. It's who you are. I get it. So Daryl Davis, my dad, my mom, uh, learning from these types of people.
0: So then my next question is there's this unhealthy judgment where you look down upon people for what they do wrong. Mm -hmm. But then there's also what we don't talk about, a healthy judgment where you can look at someone's behaviors and say, man, I think this is hurtful to you Mm -hmm. or this is helpful to you. Right. So. With some of the women, because I can imagine you're in Miami. You know these girls making 80k a month, 100k a month. Yeah. OnlyFans, porn stars, just wasting their 20s away, not realizing the internet's forever, yeah, right? Forever. And, like, and you're like, yo, like, and you know deep down inside, a lot of them want husbands and yeah. families, and they want men who have mothers like yours and fathers like mine who are gonna look at those things. Oh, like, yeah. how are you trying to be helpful to them, to encourage them that, yo? What you're doing is going in the wrong path. And do you find that to be ever effective? Yeah, I mean,
1: I'm not trying to be, you know, Captain Save-A-Ho. Right? You know, like, um, so it's not like I'm like, hey, can I pull you aside for a second? I noticed yeah, that you've yeah. been the, the yeah, bottle yeah, yeah. girl here for you know, 12 years at the club. And I really think we need to re- reassess this. Yeah. But um, I did have, like, I'll give you an example. Like, uh, so there's a girl that I've been dating, right? So I'm single AF right now. There's a couple of girls like that I'm kind of hanging out with, but I'm I'm very intentional. I'm like like number one my career and my ambition is number one right now. And on the weekends we can have fun, whatever. I'm in and out of town, and I'm very upfront about it. So there's this one girl that I'm I'm seeing. I won't name names. Gorgeous girl, brunette, latina, like just gorgeous girl, very polished, like you wouldn't you, she's very classy. Um but she does OnlyFans, right? Interesting. Yes. Uh-huh. And And um, makes her own money, got her own car, you know, drives the Range Rover. Like, I have a question. Yeah.
0: Does she does content or activities on there? What's the difference? Like, is she posting pictures or is she engaging in experiences with other individuals She's on there? She's doing a lot of solo work. Okay, just okay. Uh- <laughs> I'm not going to lie yeah. to you. If she was doing yeah. activities with other people... I- I hear you. I'm like no I...
1: <laughs> But then again, I've never seen it. Oh, I'm just uh, taking her at her word. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> like again, not my girlfriend. I said I said from day good. one
0: yes.
1: you're gorgeous. I don't really give a shit what you do. Yeah. Uh, if you want to kick it and have some fun, like cool. Yeah. But like just know where I'm at.
0: Bad, 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 and
1: um <laughs> <laughs> We uh we hung out this weekend and this and this is a whole big story and um it's a place called Eleven here in Miami. Of course. Line's out the door, I'm with a couple friends, she's with a couple girls. Travis Scott is performing, it was dope. Yeah. Line's crazy, the girls are like, we got this, we know the guy, I was like, okay, let's see what happens. Yeah. They're like, yeah, it's $10,000 minimum for a table. Ten- mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Uh, yeah, if you even wanna get to the front of the line to be able to talk to the bouncer, it's 200 bucks. Okay, got oh, it, got okay. it, got it. Again, born and raised in Miami, connections guy. I see a guy who I've known for 20 years. I haven't asked this guy for a favor in like five years. I said, Joe, I'm here with some friends. I haven't asked you for a favor in forever. He's like, dude, I got you. Bro. Yeah. Front of the line, we go on in, boom. The girls are like, how did you do that? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Sick.
1: So we're there, VIP, Travis Scott performing, sick, sick, sick. sick, sick. The girls are like, yeah, the fucking man. Like Travis, you know, I get these goosebumps out. I'm like, yeah, all the whole thing. And Travis Scott's like my number one guy. I love that guy. And. um, we're there. I mean, if you're in Miami, it's, and you're at that place, it's probably like four in the morning ish. Mm-hmm. You know, my one rule that has kept me alive in South Beach is when the sun goes up, I go down. <laughs> like, cause sun, you can keep partying yeah, yeah, until yeah. 10, yeah. 11 noon. Like, nah. Yeah. So I was like, you know, she goes, Travis out, was done performing. It was all good. And she goes, let's go, uh, let's go downstairs and hang with the dancers. Yeah. I was like, yeah, all right, cool. Let's do it. Um, she goes, let's go take out some money. And you know, like, tip these girls kind of a thing. I said, yeah, let's go take out some money. And we, there's like a, it's not just an ATM. You got to go to like a full-on teller, like a yeah, yeah, bank teller yeah, yeah. at the strip club. It's like a club, but it's also a strip club. It's a very unique dynamic. Shout out to Eleven. They're great, amazing. If you go to Miami, experience it. Um, and we go, and she goes, yeah, so just why don't you take out $1,000 and let's go have fun. And I go, oh, you want me to take out the money? <laughs> she goes, yeah, what do you, i would go, this was your idea Go ahead and take out the $1,000. What do you mean? She goes, No, I'm not. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, she's like, Well, why don't you just take out 500 Well, And I was like, I go, How about I make you a deal? Yeah. I go, Whatever you take out, I'll match you. <laughs> Remember the purse story? Yeah. Whatever you take out, yeah. we can get as crazy as you fucking want, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'll match you. Yeah. You got to go first. Yeah. No, I think it's time to go. Ah. Let's just go home whatever, whatever. <laughs> All right, cool. I thought so. <laughs> so then we went yeah hung out later that night whatever and I, we had a very unique conversation mm-hmm. and i was like because we've been hanging out for maybe a few months i said where what are we doing here and i'm never the one to be like where's this yeah, going yeah, yeah, yeah. but i'm more back to your initial question do you try to convince these girls out of this lifestyle yeah. i said let me see where this conversation goes i said um and i used that stat with her i go you know 45 percent of women are going to be single married da, da, da. i go where do you where do you want to be because she's 29 30 right like She's young, but she ain't that young. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, old, but she ain't that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's at that, you know, crucible of life where it's like, yeah. and I know that she's making a lot of money in that world. Yeah. And she goes, you know, I want to have a husband and and do all that. I go, what would make you a good wife? Yeah. She goes, you know, I'll, I'll be there for you. And, you know, the kind of vague answers. Like, it's almost like she's never been asked this question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, um, you know, I, I make money. I go, yeah, but you're not... I just realized you're not spending your money on me. Yeah, 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 yeah. You want me to spend your money on you, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay? So I don't really care about how much money you make, yeah. right? Because I make money, and even if you know you you're not spending money on me, it's my my job. So we had this whole conversation about like she wants to be you know a wife and, a, and she wants to meet the guy and the, the right guy, the whole thing, and she's like. You would be that guy, the type of guy I'm looking for, but I already have already told me that nothing serious. So, you know, I don't know. just a little confused. But da da. Great girl, by the way. Not like, not a hoe. You know, just like. Um, and I said, yeah, I don't. I go. She goes, but I get what I do is not going to be, you know, really an idea. I go. I go. What's it going to take for you to stop? Because you're making money. She goes, you know, if I met a guy and he took care of me, and I go, yeah, you think you would still stop making money? And um, just be a housewife after you make whatever a year, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. She goes, yeah, that's the that's the question. That's the million dollar question, so to speak. So these women have decisions to make like serious decisions. You want to keep going down that path where you've got a couple million in the bank, let's say, and you're 40, but you're single and no kids. And you're kind of looking in the mirror and being like, was it all worth it? Right. And that's what a lot of women have to figure out this goes back to my point on clarity men know what they got to do right make money look good look suited look like you know take care of it be a man like don't be a pussy like the whole thing women 50 50 pick your poison wow
0: i see they wanted me to wrap it up so i want i'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up I have one last question for you. Adam. I've had the time of my life. I wish we can go for another hour or so, but we respect the We'll do another time, one of these again. We have to. We have to. Part one, guys. This is part <laughs> one. I'll be back. I mean this. You want to see me and
1: Hafiz chopping <laughs> yeah. up? Shit? Let us know.
0: This is part one. As a successful man, mm-hmm. who's good looking, who's in shape, who has a lot going for himself. Thank you, by the way. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, yeah, your trajectory is like a rocket ship headed to freaking Jupiter. But what I've noticed with guys similar to you is that you guys have a legacy in mind. Mm-hmm. And they're, and, and, you're, and you one day want to be in a position to where you not, I don't like the word settle down, because I feel like settle down is negative, mm-hmm. but you find the woman that you want to spend a life with yeah. and start a family with. I'm okay with settle down. I'll settle <laughs> the fuck down one day, yeah. yes. My question is how do you balance out where you're at age-wise mm-hmm. And what you like women wise, because mm-hmm. what I notice is that the more successful you are as a guy, the more you want a certain kind of polished woman mm-hmm. to be by your side. Yeah. And the challenge is usually the woman from an aesthetic standpoint is a little bit younger. Yeah. So there, there is like this age range where especially after a certain age in certain cities, if she's that polished and that fine. At an older age, there may be some additional baggage or issues that come along with it. So do you ever, do? You, are you the guy where you're like, man, I could be 50 and marry a 24-year-old girl? Or are you the guy that's like, man, at 45, I know it'd be hard for me to marry a girl who's under 30 because it's a whole different generation. How does your brain, as you're climbing the ladder, wrestle with that because that balance, because I know guys like Alex Trebek was fifty; his wife was married her when she was twenty-seven. Yeah, I could never do that. Like exactly. to me, it's too hard. Yeah. Okay. But I'm wondering where are you at in that spectrum? Because especially from a mental standpoint, younger girls don't always have that mental stimulation.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I well, clarity is a big thing for me, and who you want to be and what you want in life is a big thing for me, and legacy is a big thing, and I call it like chilling. Like right now, I'm chilling. Chilling is when you own your time and do what you want with your time, right? Um. So. I didn't make this up. Everyone knows that, you know, half your age plus seven. So if I'm 40, half your age, 20, plus seven, 27. Let's just say that. So, um, and I think that's a good frame of reference. Now, if I met a 25-year-old who blew my mind, I went, oh, you're too young. (laughs) If I met a 32-year-old that blew my mind, I would be open to that. But I think the biggest thing for me is that I know that I want to have kids. And I know that as my success grows, and I don't really need the woman to, hey, we don't, you know, dual income, we got to have, like, yeah. I want a woman to have a passion, something she cares about, I want her just to, like, yeah, my husband takes care of me, I take care of the kids and I go shopping, I think that's just like a lackluster life for the woman and the man. Um, so I want a woman who's kind of out of the hoe phase, yeah. you know, I, <laughs> believe me, I've capitalized on the hoe phase <laughs> in South Beach, so shout out to the hoes out there. Um <laughs> You know, and that's, you know, college and a few years after college when a woman is kind of just figuring things out. But usually after 25, a woman is like, all right, I've been partying it up and living it up for five, 10 years now, depending on when they started. Now, let me start looking for someone that I can kind of settle down with. And then, you know, so let's say that's let's just use the number 25, let's say. But let's say the the tail end of that is I want to have kids. So. Would I date a girl my age, 40? No. Because yeah. I don't have one kid. Yeah. If we get lucky having that, would I date a 38-year-old, 37? They'd have to be like the most prized possession, 37. <laughs> so like, it's the, if you don't want to have kids, yes. just go with the best woman possible, regardless of it, yeah. of age, you know? And But if you want a polished woman, the woman that's kind of got it figured out, you don't have to like, pay their rent, pay their bills because they're broke and they're 21 in college, which exists in Miami. Shout out to the sugar daddies out there. Same um, on you. You know, women in their late 20s, you know, mid to late 20s, early 30s, I feel like they've done the whole stuff. If they know what they want to do with their life, I feel like it's a very perfect age for a woman. And and 30 for a woman is 40 for a man, mm. I think. Wow. So um, it's... You know, so 30 for a man is not the same as 30 for a woman. Of course. All of my, I've been very fortunate because I'm still best friends with all the kids. I went to public school, private school, played ball with the whole thing. I'm st- like, that's my whole thing It's just networking, being friends. Like my mom would always say, you know, it, it, you have to be a friend to have a friend. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. thanks mom. Yeah, yeah. Um, some friends always get, and they all have kids. Mm-hmm. So I'm like at the kids' birthday parties, I'm the cool uncle, my sister's got a kid. So I'm surrounded by kids and every time I leave I go, thanks guys for an afternoon of fun, I'm out. So like I have that and I know I wanna be a dad, I know I wanna have kids. So that understanding who you wanna be, what you wanna have in life is very important just for a man who has their shit together like you do, you're 31, 32. Take your time. The white, the right woman will come around.
0: Yeah, man, Adam, we can go forever, man. I, know, I love, I love, hour. I love talking to you, man. Yeah. I love talking Great to you. Great minds think alike. Of, life, of bro. course, of course. That's the baby blue. Where can the people find you at? So find
1: me here at ValueTainment. Uh, everywhere on ValueTainment, ValueTainment Money, ValueTainment, uh, the Mothership, uh, the Big Channel, PBD Podcast, everything with ValueTainment. This is what we do. And then on my personal socials, SOS Talks Money, SOS Talks Money. And by the way, I'm sure you deal with this, you know, there's a lot of fake accounts out there. So if anyone that resembles my name or account hits you up, this goes for anyone out there. Don't send random people money on the Especially if they
0: ask you to do it via WhatsApp. Please, guys. Please. Um, yeah. yeah, bro, this has been awesome. No we could do this forever. Problem. Guys, you know how we get down here. Be sure to reach out to Adam, show him some love. Let him know what about this podcast stood out to you guys. My name is Hafiz, and I'm joined by Adam Sosnick. Thank you. Thank you guys so much, and have a great day. And save that money.